0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.
1: My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate and teach, put it in context. Call me, 1 800 743 CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right. What more did we want from Apple, for heaven's sake? As I predicted when the world's largest company announced a whole slate of new products and services today, the stock got hammered, and that weakness reverberated throughout the market. Dell only inching up just 15 points, but it was down most of the day. S&P dipping 0.08%, NASDAQ declining 0.07%. I'm putting Apple in for one of the reasons why that happened. Honestly, there was nothing Apple could do to stem the decline. You know what? Its stock actually held up surprisingly well, given that nothing was ever going to be good enough for the bears. Haters going to hate, right? Although when it was down three and change, uh, bargain hunters came in to take it back up, down only $2.31. That's a minor victory, all things considered. Now, last week, I told you that Apple needed to double down on its service business because the service revenue stream is the future. But there are tons of money managers who want Apple to focus on fancy, high-tech gizmos. And these people were always going to be disappointed by a bunch of new services that they consider to be boring and pedestrian. Sure enough, Apple rolled out a bunch of boring and pedestrian services. Okay, they didn't seem very sexy, uh, even though I think they could be very profitable. There's Apple News Plus, which bundles together subscriptions to more than 300 newspapers and magazines, including the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, for just $9.99 a month. OK, that's an incredible value proposition. I looked at my bill that came this weekend. It came on Saturday night around 9.30. It said, I spend $32.99 a month for the journal alone. I say, sign me up. Apple's going to save me a fortune. I'll also get the Apple credit card because why not? It's a better deal than what I'm getting currently. I'm downloading that as soon as we finish taping. I'd cut my old card in half on the show if I weren't afraid that you'd see my number. And you believe, you better believe, I'm canceling my HBO and Showtime subscriptions once I can get, through, uh, get them through Apple TV Plus streaming system. Oh, and, and their new video game streaming service gives them a nice backdoor in one of the hottest markets around. News, television, finance, gaming, all in one. Yet to the super rich analysts, it's a yard. They don't much uh, really understand how. Uh, Apple saving people money because it doesn't mean anything to them. Of course, the stock rolled over because these are all, like I said, pedestrian applications. That's crazy. Not to be too philosophical, but sadly, much of life is prosaic. And if Apple services can make your life a little easier and save you some money, I say game on. Apple's credit card gives you cash back on a daily basis. My current card only gives me points. My wife takes the points. What is that all about? We don't need no stinking points. With Apple, you get 2% cash back instantly, 3% for the person on the App Store with no late fees. I love a credit card that doesn't expire because, it, remember, hey, come on, when it expires, I mean, is it a real bummer you got to put in your number everywhere? It's like, oh, Amazon, this, it's you know what I mean? I mean, I, it, it's a waste of an afternoon. How about the TV service? I don't mind paying Apple what it wants for this bundle. And more importantly, you won't have to pay them for what you don't want. Well, you know, there's like 580 channels. I like like four of them. Sounds like it could save you a fortune, especially on HBO and ESPN Plus, both of which I'm already paying for. I just want to use Siri to put it uh, Siri put on HBO. I'm also intrigued by the morning show Apple's putting together, Steve Carell, because I love him. Reese Witherspoon and uh, Jennifer Aniston. Eh, that's OK. Hey, but on, they got Oprah. and She's unstoppable. While I don't play video games, my wife does. She'll want that Apple Arcade service, another money saver for people who like this stuff. And eh, My wife plays this game every night before she goes to bed. She'll love it. That said, these are all services for the 99% of America, not the 1%, and to the analysts who are part of the 1%. These perks mean nothing. I mean, they don't care about saving a little extra money. It's like they've never been to a dollar store either. They want Apple to change the world, not save you maybe 100 bucks a month. But to most Americans, 100 bucks a month is God-send. So what did Wall Street want to see? Well, they wanted to see some kind of blockbuster announcements that would get the stock roaring. So what did they do? I'm going to give you what they wanted, okay? First, the critics wanted Apple to spend more on streaming so that it could rival Netflix. That means shelling out $50 billion. That's the amount that uh, that Netflix has spent on programming, uh, supposedly. Or they could buy Viacom and CBS, put them back together, make television programs and movies while also getting NFL and March Bandits. Uh, I-, I bet Apple could snap them up uh, both for 40 bill... Okay, That way they can develop all sorts of content and no longer buy back stock or raise a dividend. What else? The last time I interviewed Tim Cook, he talked about how healthcare would be his legacy. Millions of people can be saved if Apple can link its watch to software that handles electronic medical records. So if Apple wants to dominate healthcare, they need to buy Cerner the top purveyor of electronic medical records is public. That's an eighteen billion dollar company. Maybe they need to pay twenty three bill. That deal would revolutionize healthcare. At the same time, there are plenty of other opportunities. When it comes to diabetes, it's DEXCOM that makes the best glucose monitor. I know they're affiliated with Google, but they you, Apple can buy them. Uh, or Tandem Diabetes makes the best insulin pump. You can pair those two devices, create an artificial pancreas. I bet Apple could steal both of those for 20 bill, all right? And add them all up and get $83 billion worth of acquisitions. That's what the analysts want. If Apple did these deals, they could convert many of the analysts into believers. And that would get the stock moving right here, right now. But honestly, I'm perfectly happy with what the company's doing here. Actually, more than happy. Nothing he presented today resonated with people who don't bother to look at their cable bill each month or don't check their Apple bill. But I bet they'll resonate with many consumers, the 99%. And that, not the Wall Street analysts who want Apple to spend tens of billions of dollars That's what they think about, the people think about. It's what Tim Cook thinks about. That and the off mentioned privacy issues that he cares compassionately about. You know what? Throughout the presentation, whenever it went dark, I thought that was Facebook looming Darth Vader-like against Luke Cook Skywalker. Which brings me back to what Apple really needs to do here. It has become, has become more of a service company that makes the best cell phones. You know, sometimes actually in like wireless streams think that they should give away the phone uh, and, and then charge you a certain amount for them every month, along with what they charge you for all these subscription services they rolled out today. That would get the customers and the analysts excited. It wouldn't this be nice. Might even convince some firms to start covering Apple as a consumer products company like Procter & Gamble or Colgate, which I think is the right way to evaluate Of course, they're low tech. This is high tech. Now, Apple obviously wasn't the only thing that controlled today's narrative. We had some more fallout from that inverted yield curve. The yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury drifted lower. Weighed on the stock market. That's a flashing neon sign screaming recession. But I don't think we're going to have a recession. And I say that as someone who was sounding the alarm during the economy's uh, fourth quarter when Fed Chief Jerome Powell was talking about hitting us with three rate hikes this year advised, we saw more selling today as money managers are raising cash to prepare for the big onslaught of IPOs. They don't get enough new money in to participate with these deals without ringing the register on something else. So they're dumping high fly in stocks like Salesforce, I like service now like Workday in order to get in the likes of like Lyft and Uber. I know the trade negotiations with China are more important than ever, and it seems like there's no uh, real deal on the horizon. The hardliners keep insisting that the tariffs stay on, even after we've come to some kind of agreement, and that's a very tough sell for China. Plus, this Brexit thing continues to freak people out for good reason. We have no idea what's going to happen. Remember Fred Smith in that Federal Express interview last week? Holy cow. But the bottom line, in the end, today was Apple Day, and as much as I like all the bells and whistles, I know the Wall Street jackals were not appeased. They wanted a game changer that cost a fortune not a bunch of pedestrian incremental improvements. I think they're wrong, which is why I continue to say you need to own Apple, not trade it. Gregory in California. Gregory. Hi, Jim. Gregory, what's up? i <clears throat>
2: I'm, I'm calling because uh, I need the professor's help. Uh, but first, I want to tell you I'm a proud Action Alerts member. I, yes. I want to thank you for your invaluable help. Your educational efforts really make a huge difference oh, to people thank like you. myself. You know I spend more MBA. time on
1: the club than I do on anything, so I'm so glad you're a club member. How can I help?
2: I'm calling about Zora. Zora! a uh, symbol Z-U-O. They they reported earnings last week, and I I don't, th- I don't think that they're quite ready to be one of your cloud kings or princes yet. But I know I've been following them since you had the CEO on, and you know what they they you know I've done my own research. They they, they were in line with their earnings per share. They uh, they they won out on 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 revenues, and they got slammed in the after You know hours. what? You they know what? First all,
1: a... Gregory, thank you for those incredible kind comments about Action We'd love everybody to remember. I agree with you. I was on this a call, not just because he mentioned my name. Thank you, Teen Sue, but. Because I really felt that it wasn't a bad quarter. There's that very big short position. People leaned on it. Sarge, who writes to me, Sarge, good boy. He and I both like it. I would unhesitatingly buy Zorro. Zoro does make it so that you can have a great subscription economy. I am with Gregory. Now I'm going to go down to Ed in Florida. Ed. Booyah,
2: Jim. Booyah, Ed. Profe- Professor Jim Kramer. Man, you I got tenure tonight. What's up? You and your team, I want to thank all of you for everything you do for us home gamers.
3: You guys are the best.
1: I do. This is the single best team ever. I was telling my wife last night that Regina Gilgan, who was on vacation last week, is back. My executive producer, who will step. She looks like you. But, you know, we miss Regina because she is so good. The team is so great. Thank you for mentioning it. Most people don't talk about the team. I'm a team I there is there is a, is there an I in team? No. Okay, let's no. what can we do? <laughs> Some spelling you, problems uh,
2: in this group. Here. I've been watching your show for years, and, and it's the one of the best shows I've ever seen in my oh, life. Man, and, you uh, rock. You guys are fantastic. and And i got to tell you, um, recently I've been really uh, looking at my stocks, my okay. portfolio, and I've, I've earned and I've learned from you guys, thank especially you. you and your book. You guys are great. Oh, I wish oh, you'd come down you here to Boynton Beach, Florida, and, and and have a book signing. I, I would go to it again. You know, uh, I love I, it. East Florida, my it.
1: friend Bowers Espy's down there. How can I help? Um, Well, I'm I'm
2: looking at Lowe's, L-O-W. And uh, I know that they changed uh, to Marvin Ellis, and he used to be with Home Depot. In fact, he was with... uh JCPenney for a bit, mm-hmm. and he came to Lowe's, and he's doing. A, I think he's doing a really good job. Uh, yeah, I disagree uh, with you.
1: I think he's doing a great job, and that's why I think buying Lowe's ahead of what's basically the Christmas for Lowe's, which is coming up in three weeks, will be brilliant. Marv is going store by store by store to fix this customer experience, and he has done a remarkable job. Boy, do they ever need to do updating. So I am with you, Ed, in Florida. Thank you for saying all those good things about Our group. Now I'm going to go to local. I'm going to go to Jim in New York. Jim!
2: First, I just want to thank you for bringing us Mad Money and Cray America. Wow! Love it. I was down this weekend. Now I'm back up. (laughs) Hey, Jim, isn't this the new electric age? You know, electric vehicles, EV. Right. Move over Tesla. I count no more, no less than nine new EV entries coming into the U.S., from big name auto companies in the overseas in 2019, and okay. GM just announced a new EV production facility in the U.S. Right, and then there are the other product needs for batteries, everything from rechargeable household goods and mobile phones to mega store battery right. storage from renewable energy you. sources. Right. Now, all of this requires a significant upswing in battery production, which equates to a lot more lithium. Right. Right. So why is ALB with a 13 PE such a dog? Is this an opportunity? Okay, well, here's or the, the problem. I mean,
1: you, like. you could also go to Sociedad Kimica, which is a company in Chile. The problem here is, is that anything connected with autos is, is...
3: The house of pain. So
1: I don't want you involved. Anything connected with autos is disappointing, and that's no good. Let's stay away from that, even though your your work is good in theory, in conception. But the reality is these companies can't make the numbers. Okay, today was Apple's day, and Wall Street just wasn't happy. The hell with them! They're wrong! I made many times. Thermo Fisher just announced it was getting Gene Tharp with a $1.7 billion acquisition. What does it mean for the overall market? I got the CEO. Then Nike dribbled past estimates in its latest quarter, but the stock still took a hit. Can it pick itself up and keep running, or has it lost its energy? Systems sell some of the biggest businesses on the planet, run leaner and meaner. Can it stock whip your portfolio into shape? It's been a pretty good one. I'm sitting down with the CEO. So I am urging you to stay with Apple and stay.
0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.
3: With Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets.
1: We keep hearing about the rise of individualized medicine, how biotech and pharma companies are coming up with ways to treat all sorts of ailments via gene therapies or immunotherapies that are uniquely tailored to each patient. We've seen a series of major deals in this space, and today we got another one. Thermo Fisher Scientific, a company you know we like. The maker of advanced medical equipment. It's basically an arms dealer to the farm and biotech group, if you want to call it that. And that's what it's buying, Brammer Bio. It's a leading gene therapy company for $1.7 billion in cash. Now, Thermo Fisher is a gigantic $107 billion business. But I think this deal tells us a lot about where they see the industry headed in the next 5 to 10 years. Do not take it from me, though. Let's check in with Mark Casper, the president CEO of Thermo Fisher Scientific. To learn more about the deal and his company's prospects, Mr. Casper, welcome back Make money. Good to see you, Mark. Have a yeah, seat. Absolutely, back. man. You, you have been just doing so well. And I didn't know you. Of course, you make the acquisition. But if you could put it in context, because we've had so many companies in immunotherapy, and I was thinking they can't, judging by this Brammer business ramp, they must be dependent on Brammer tremendously. So, Jim, this is a very
4: exciting space. The Pharmaceutical and biotech industry is really excited about gene therapy and the immunotherapies because it's making a huge difference yeah. for patients. And one of the big challenges is manufacturing capacity for bringing up these medicines to the market. And Brammer Bio has really carved out a leading position as a contract developer and manufacturer of these therapies.
1: Now, what will uh, it mean in, uh, in terms of trying to win business, say, from Danaher, where Danaher just bought GE's life science business, which is good. I don't think it's as good as yours. But are you guys going to go in head-to-head? Yeah, from our, from our perspective, you know, as the
4: industry leader, we keep building out our capabilities, and we have over $10 billion of our revenue as to the pharmaceutical and biotech industry today. And Brammer is really a business that will help us have great growth in the future uh, in serving their needs.
1: So are we, should we be thinking about Brammer uh, when, when IPOs come out for biotech, or is it when Lilly buys a biotech company or when Glaxo buys a bi- or, or Novartis? Because they're all doing it.
4: Yeah, so so the customer base will be both large cap mm-hmm. and the emerging companies. And that's one of the great things about Thermo Fisher uh, Scientific is that we serve the whole range of the industry right. and help the young companies get started, but we also help the large companies as they shift towards new modalities of medicine.
1: I think it's important to point out that there are some companies that China can't do without. When I see your numbers in China, I mean, I just imagine you're in those Shanghai hospitals with 500,000 people each one. I mean, that, that's a fabulous growth business for you.
4: Right. One of the key elements of our growth strategy has been our strength in emerging markets. Right. China, the second largest market for the company, 10 percent of our revenue. Last year grew 20 percent organically. The reason for that is the government priorities of expanding health care for the population, controlling pollution, Uh, improving food safety, those are things that we enable for them.
1: But I I think it's also important to point out that you're a company of great strictures and ethics, and there's some business you have turned down because you feel that some people have been discriminated against.
4: Yeah, you know, with our technologies, they really are for good purposes, right? And they enable our customers to make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Um, but there are times that technologies can be used for other purposes, and in one particular case, we got a set of facts, we evaluated it, and we made a decision that we would discontinue the sale. Right, and of the
1: this is gene screening, to be fair, and it's something that none of us would like to see in our country. I know that. Uh, when you talk about uh, one billion dollars, you invested in R and D, list. What are you getting for that?
4: Yeah. So we have a really exciting portfolio of products that come out of that very large R&D investment. One area that we're excited in is precision medicine, and our sequencers have done really well in helping doctors identify the right therapy for an individual-specific type of cancer. So that's an area that's really been a, a focus for us in terms do you of r
1: Do you think it's too small that these immunotherapies, some people tell me, Jim, don't get caught up in the bubble. Some of these illnesses are for 500 people and 1,000 people. Mm-hmm.
4: Right, but the medicines are curative, right? And that's right, the thing that's right. super that's exciting, which is right. the market, the individual rare diseases can be small, but these are patients that don't have really any prospects without these great breakthroughs, and we're enabling that, and that's okay. super exciting.
1: I'm going to say this for you. You can hold your ears because you probably don't want to hear, but you are the best acquirer I have ever seen. All of your acquisitions pay off. Even the big one, the, thermo, the one that puts you together, what's your secret since so many people tell me the technology uh, acquisitions always fail?
4: Yeah, so we have a very disciplined process and a great team. And what we really understand is, can we add value to a business? And most things we look at, we pass. But the ones that we do, do, we are convinced that we're the right owner. And our track record is very strong in terms of creating value.
1: Well, the strong, so people know, is when you see not just revenues additive by buying the revenues, but by the organic revenue growth. And you've got high single digit. A lot of people don't have that.
4: Yeah, last year we grew our business eight percent organically. That's fantastic! And you know, all of the major acquisitions that we've done over the years, we've accelerated their growth meaningfully, taking businesses that were growing below the company average, and now they're growing well above the company average.
1: I want to ask you something that philosophically worries a lot of people, including the president and his people. They think that China may be passing us. When I hear they're buying all this equipment, I wonder whether we're, we can be, cons- whether we can rival China, given how much they're spending. Yeah, in
4: terms of where the breakthrough science is coming today, it's coming from the U.S. Okay. It really is, in terms of pharmaceutical that, yeah. industry, right. biotech, I mean, there's a cluster. Really what you're seeing, the application of these technologies in China, is to bring up the standard of living in society in China. And you're seeing it for reducing pollution, improving food okay. safety, you know, expanding basic health care to the population. So you know, the U.S. and the NIH and, and the National Institutes of Health is really a gem. In terms of this industry.
1: All right, that's terrific. It's very funny. Just, I know we got to go, but David Faber and I, were, he saw that I had you tonight. He says, that guy really knows how to run a business. That's a great company. You really are. Thermo Fisher's a fabulous company. That's Mark Casper, President CEO of Thermo Fisher Timo. If you haven't, it's a hundred billion dollar company, people, and it deserves to trade even much higher. That's how good they are. Man, money's back after the break. It's time to pick through the rubble of Friday's sell-off. Take Nike, which reported on Thursday night and then tumbled 6.6% on Friday. If you simply looked at the action, you'd think that the sneaker king could report a lousy quarter. I mean, how could the stock fall so much if the quarter was any good, right? Wrong. This is one of those cases, like the movie Unforgiven, where deserves got nothing to do with it. When you actually go over Nike's quarter, as I did this weekend, it becomes clear that Nike's doing pretty darn well. It was an overreaction. I like these numbers. So why the heck did the stock get slammed? And more importantly, why do I think it's worth buying into weakness? First of all, you need to understand that Nike had run up pretty dramatically going into the quarter. Like everything else, this one got crushed in the fourth quarter, pulling back to 66 at its lows in late December. Then Nike reported a great quarter, and the stock came roaring back peaking at $88 and change uh, last, last week, right before the quarter. It was a 33% run, which is a gigantic move for a mega-cap company as a Dow stock, right? The thing is, while Nike's stock ran like a champion earlier this year, the rally happened on no real news. The stock never should have been down so much in the fourth quarter, so it, it kept levitating and levitating and levitating as analyst after analyst upgraded Nike. Those were good calls, but they didn't have any new information. Then the last couple weeks leading up to the quarter, we got more and more of these geniuses raising their price targets, just aggressively pushing the stock. They wanted to be get behind it before the quarter. In short, the expectations had therefore gotten out of control because of all these upgrades and price target boosts. The problem with great expectations, aside from the fact that Dickens was paid by the word, so it was a little too verbose, if not prolix, is that this kind of thing makes it almost impossible to deliver a blowout quarter. That's what, that's what was at stake here. When the analysts raised the bar like that, people end up being a lot less impressed by even excellent results. That was really the schematic, the theme here. So what happened when Nike reported on Thursday night? company delivered a 3-cent earning speed off a 65-cent uh, basis. Inline revenue up 7% year-over-year, 11% on a constant currency basis. So along with an expanding gross margin, right, what they make after a cost of goods sold, it was up to 45.1% from 43.8% a year ago. That's fantastic. Nike benefits from higher average selling prices. Currency is finally starting to change in their favor. And their higher margin direct-to-consumer business, it's on fire. Nike's largest business, North American footwear, up 9%, an acceleration versus the previous two quarters. How about their big Chinese business, something a lot of people were worried about because of the trade war? Well, it's phenomenal, with both footwear and apparel growing at 20% clip in greater China. If we had a weaker dollar, something that I think could be in the cards, Nike's European business would have looked good, too. It's up double digits on a constant currency base. (coughs) Excuse me. What's driving the strength? Okay, CEO Mark Parker, whom I am a huge fan of, spent a lot of time on the conference call talking about technology. Now, some of that is about personalization. Nike now is the tech to turn out many versions of the same shoe using different colors or different materials, and that's bolstering sales of the classic footwear like Air Force One, Air Jordans. Company advanced tools allow them to bring new products to market faster, another major positive. They're also digitally tracking all of their products, which helps management more accurately match supply to demand worldwide. And by the end, you know, there's a secondary market for these sneakers. StockX? I mean, it's doing incredibly well because there's so much individualization. Now, some of it's also about digital. Nike's connecting with users via their app. People on the app at their stores buy 40% more stuff than people not on the app. Plus, the company's digital business grew at a 36% clip. As Parker explained, the more we invest in stronger digital capabilities, the more growth opportunities we uncover. In other words, Nike's become a tech company, masquerading as a sneaker company. All right, how about China? Everyone's so worried about China, right? Okay, the footwear and apparel business is booming as more and more Chinese people get involved with sports. Nike's working hand-in-hand with the Chinese Ministry of Sport. That's the place you want to be, right? Wouldn't you like to be the head of the Ministry of Sport? Okay, well, they're doing it to expand physical education in schools. They sponsor the Shanghai Marathon, the Chinese Super League. Hey, say what you want about the Chinese Communist Party. They want a healthier population, and they recognize that Nike can help them make that happen. That's why the uh, company can seemingly shrug off the trade war, something that's done a lot of damage to many other U.S. brands with a lot of business in the People's Republic. Nike doesn't have any serious uh, Chinese competition, which makes it perhaps the best American brand in the PRC when it comes to not worrying about somebody switching to a Chinese alternative. So why the heck did the stock get pull off some funny? It's all those positives I just gave it? Because of the guidance, which was broadly considered disappointing, even though I don't agree with that interpretation. Nike issues this guidance in more of a narrative format than most companies. Their calls like a little bit like Mark Twain, frankly. I'm not kidding. Mark Twain. So let's uh, try to parse what they said. First of all, CFO Andrew Campion, he explained that they're looking for high single-digit revenue growth on a constant currency basis, but low single-digit growth on a reported basis. That's weaker than the 6% number the analysts were expecting. Really, though, I think that's just Nike being cautious about exchange rates. If we get a weaker dollar like I'm expecting, their revenue growth forecast may prove to be too conservative. For the 2020 fiscal year, he talked about high single-digit revenue growth, which is basically in line with expectations. no reason to sell. At the same time, Campion said he was looking for Nike's gross margin to expand, not contract, but expand by 75 basis points this quarter. It's more than the 130 basis point expansion last quarter because the company continues to make heavy investments. People like to hear investment. Remember, I told you that any time you hear anyone says investment, they want to sell the stock. Well, that's why the stock got clobbered on Friday. But i got to tell you, I think Nike was simply doing what it always does. They underpromised so they can over deliver the next time they report. The company has an incredible long term track record of beating Wall Street's earnings estimates, even though their sales occasionally disappoint. Of course, each time that's happened. It was a buy. Plus, Nike's being guided by worries about the strong dollar, which hurts their ability to make money overseas. But management told us that this quarter, current quarter, would be the worst one in terms of foreign exchange. They expect things to get better going forward. I agree with them, especially now that the Federal Reserve has stopped its stupid tightening right in the face of a slowdown, something that should allow the dollar to weaken, providing a boost to the bottom line. I think this company has earned the benefit of the doubt from you. The benefit of the doubt. But even if you disagree, the facts are on Nike's side. Here's a company that's taking share and taking names in footwear once again. They've stopped resurgent competitors like Under Armour, Adidas in their tracks. That Adidas had taken a lot of share right back to Nike. They've got a fabulous digital business, creating a loyal base of online customers who buy out a limited sneaker launch in a matter of hours. What else? In recent years, Nike's had some trouble retaining its female customers. But on the cops call, they talked about how their women's business has reached an inflection point. The company's got tons of initiatives to win back these customers. And Mark Parker talks about the business uh, business business as tremendous opportunity. He clearly mentioned women 30 times on the call. Between personalization and clothing for women, I thought Parker hit a home run. Put it all together, and I think the stock is rel- relatively inexpensive here it versus its cohort. Trading 27 times next year's earnings estimates. Hey, Under Armour's 43, uh, Lulu 33. I don't think they're as good as this company. Plus, this afternoon, uh, Michael Avenatti uh, just got arrested from trying to extort $20 million out of Nike. It couldn't happen to the a nice guy. Stock briefly got hit and, and then rallied, which to me said, it's the bottom. Here's the bottom line. Nike only pulled back on Friday because it's stock had run up dramatically going to the quarter. But the results were great. I'm telling you, they were great. I'm betting the guidance was a classic example of you, which means Nike is a buy tomorrow morning right here. Can I speak to Sean in Illinois? Sean. Hey, Jim. A hearty booyah to you from Chicago land. Oh, man. No kidding. I'll take Jordan Howard. I think with our offensive line, he'd be pretty good. That's the Eagle talk. What's up? Thank you. Hey Jim, thank you for your in-depth priceless show that I've been watching for a few years now. There you go. Thank you. Hey Jim, I had added a chunk of tailored Brands symbol T L R D oh. at a much higher price. Oh man, you know you know that's not that good an alpha, Sean. I mean I wish I had something good to say. I have nothing good to say. So therefore, I mean, like my grandma told me, like uh, Nana Mary told me, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. So, you know what, Sean? I'm not going to say it. What a gentleman. Thank you, Nana Mary. She lived in 94. She was dynamite. Like Jack Daniels every single day. That's how you live long. Let's go to Sal in Florida, please. Sal. Jim, this is from beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. Boca Raton, man. You're done. I remember Larry Kudlow once said he was laid back in Boca Raton. Come on down, Jim. All right. But Jim, I want to ask you, uh, I've been ordering my clothes
2: from six I love the clothes, and I love the concept. Now, Jim, I was looking to purchase the stock. I want your opinion. I agree with you. I,
1: I agree with you. I think it's a great stock. I, that last quarter was good. The previous quarter was disappointing. I love the way they bounce back, and I welcome them on the show. Uh, it did sound like, though, candidly, that you were speaking from the bottom of a swimming pool. Okay, Nike's a buy. Just do it. By the way, the Kaepernick thing was a huge home run. Didn't even mention that. I had so much to say. Hey, much more made money. A competition in the cloud might be heating up. Could a play like Pega. Hey, now systems pay. I'm taking a closer look at what sets this company apart with the CEO. Then trying to gauge the health of the U.S. economy. Should you rely on the Labor Department, Commerce Department? No! I'll tell you why it all comes down to Chicken Alfredo. And all your calls, run for a nice decision. Later, stay with
3: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. You can't
1: just eat one. They What'd are you have? amazing. What'd you I don't know, add some sort of like kale chip or something. Really? It's not kale, but it is uh it kind of, it's so tasty. And it makes you think it's healthy even though. Oh it probably my, isn't. I felt
3: like Superman.
1: No kidding. Yeah, well, you I felt look, like You Superman. look
3: good. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: company needs to be first. Sometimes the biggest winners are older companies with the flexibility to adapt to major changes in their industry. Consider the rise of cloud computing. Once it became obvious that the cloud was the future, the legacy software companies had a choice. Either become disruptors by embracing the cloud or do nothing and be disrupted. The smart ones jumped on the cloud bandwagon. So take Pegasystems, P-E-G-A, the software play that helps develop customer applications for other businesses. These guys are involved with everything from marketing to sales to customer relations, management and business process optimization. Don't worry, we're going to explain all these. Now, Pegasus Systems is a 35-year-old company, but in recent years, they've gone all in on the cloud and this transition has given them a gigantic boost. In the last five years, the stock has rallied 255%, trouncing the performance of the S&P 500. Last year, they rolled out Pega Infinity, their most comprehensive suite of cloud-based software yet, which is one reason the company gave such bullish guidance when it reported a little over a month ago. That's one reason why the stock is up 33% year-to-date. So, can okay, it keep climbing? Let's check in with Alan Treffler. He is the founder and CEO of Pegasystems to get a better sense of how his company's doing. Where it's headed, Mr. Treffler, welcome back to Make Money. Good to see you, Alan. How are you? Thank you, Jim. Congratulations Pleasure. on the incredible results. I think I want to start something different today. I want to talk about how there's an outfit. Uh, it's called Gartner. And mm-hmm. they have these magic quadrants. They have the quadrants. You are so far ahead of everybody else that I could see why you get Google, why you get Ford, why you get Anthem, why you get all the big banks. But I don't know if our viewers understand what a differentiator that is.
5: Well, you know, this is a set of industry analysts expert in what technology companies do. Mm-hmm. And they go through a rigorous process every one to two years and evaluate the companies and rate them. Right. And uh, we consistently come out first, and there's two in particular I'm excited about. One, we're top in what's called intelligent business process management, okay. which is taking work and doing work and making businesses more efficient and, okay. and, and more agile. And the second is we're number one in what they call real-time interaction management, which is about making decisions. So you, you make the smart decisions, you execute the work, do great things for
1: the business. Okay, so for Google, uh, they use you to improve site reliability. We we count on Google's site reliability.
5: Yeah, it's amazing. Google controls about 25% of the Internet traffic, which is wow, mind-numbing. And to be selected and trusted by them to help them in that journey really says a lot about the mission-critical capabilities
1: of our okay, software. Okay, before you came on, I checked around a number of people in the industry. Uh, business process management, you are so far ahead of everybody else that it begs the question, How come we don't, more people don't know you? I mean, I know you because you've been on the show. But when I look at how dominant you are, I kind of feel like, well, why doesn't everybody know Pegasus? Well,
5: I think therein lies the opportunity. For a lot of years, we were very, very targeted in terms of who we offered our product to. We weren't very aggressive from a marketing point of view. We didn't have close to the number of feet on the street that you need to really engage organizations deeply. We are massively changing
1: that. Oh, that's great, because when I see your customers, you you talked about in the conference call, right at the end, you just threw in that you've got this deal... uh, a deal with a major European bank that is so big, Robobank, which people just see there 's a good example. I know Robobank is huge, and you just got a, an unbelievable uh, deal with them but, but I think people just say well, well i don 't know that 's not a big. Tell them people how big that is
5: well it 's pretty big because right. it was of course highly contested right and being able Against to get some um, firms that we probably know uh, firms that you routinely have on the show right and th- those are the firms we compete with and uh... could be quite successfully i would say you know if you if you want to hear sure from a lot of the customers talking hundreds of customers speaking about their stories i'd invite you to come to World. it's june three and four in las vegas and it's going to be a tremendous show
1: but read some of the names i saw that you, there are companies that you are that are speaking and every one of them is a good client and they're all clients everybody knows Well,
5: vodafone sirius right. xm which has selected us last year ING that major Dutch bank right. where we're helping them really streamline a lot of their key processes firms like PayPal North National, National Australia Bank which is undergoing a transformation Cisco we're, we're really honored that these companies will come and, and frankly share their stories about how they're looking to transform their businesses
1: Yeah no okay so uh, the, you're moving into CRM all right well and that's right up against Salesforce Salesforce is a very powerful component, very mm-hmm. powerful opponent how do you go up against a Salesforce and Windows
5: Well a couple of different things. One, we complement Salesforce in many settings. Because if you think about it, Salesforce very much presents a facade, a front end that can present information. you got to hook that into the sort of execution of work. You know, how do you really go and fulfill that request for the customer? How do you really change their addresses on the 40 different systems that you need to? A major Salesforce customer like Unilever selected us new last year,
1: I didn't know that. I met with that, Paul Pullman about what he's doing with Salesforce. So he, he brought in Pegas, Pegas Systems too.
5: They, yeah, because we do a good job of complementing them and actually getting work done. Now, some customers choose to use us all the way through, end-to-end, right. end, and we can operate in either
1: fashion. All right, one last question. Is it a hindrance that you're not out west?
5: You know, I believe that we need to break this mythology. Okay, good. That I'm only ask Silicon about. Valley right. is where inspiration comes from. I actually think it's terrific. You know, we have so many awesome universities, for example, in the Boston area. Right. You know, being adjacent to MIT, we have a talent pool that I think is both, um, frankly, richer, but also a lot more stable. Than what goes on at some well, of these high tech companies. That's
1: my feeling, I'm, but you're the. I needed you to speak up against the mythology. I think that's terrific. That's Alan Treffler, founder and CEO of Systems. These guys are just scorching it, guys. Bit money's back, get the break. It is time. It's over the lake. We're going to have some rough goals over the Bye bye. Bye bye. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski. Dang. Down with the light round. I'm start with Mike in Florida. Mike, Mike, Mike.
2: Jimmy, I'm going with Moderna.
1: I like your choice. I think that they, yeah, they're going to be hard-pressed to be independent. That's how good their technology is. Now we're going to Larry in California. Larry. Boya, uh, Jim. Wow. How's it going? It's going just fine. Thank you for asking. How about you? Terrific, beautiful day in L.A. I had no idea. Thank you. Okay.
2: Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you, Jim. Um, A few weeks ago, I read an interesting story about Nielsen Holdings in Barents.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't that, I mean, to me, it wasn't that positive. I'm kind of concerned. They got a 5% yield, but their business is very, very, uh, let's just say, tentative. So I'm not going to be attracted by that yield. Let's go to Ricardo in New York. Ricardo. Hey Jim, this is Ricardo, Long Island, New York. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? Good, good. All right. So I have a, uh,
4: the Tinker symbol O. I wanted to know what you thought about that. You
1: know what? They're on fire. They're just one of these good. They're a good read, and they've been able to handle this period well. And they also do benefit from the decline in the uh, interest that you get for church. I want to go to Dean in New Jersey, Dean Jimmy, big booyah from Jersey City, baby. Right back at you. Jimmy, um, my stock is Crystal Myers. Why is it stuck in the mud with CBS? Well, because Myers is trying to buy Celgene, and we are big believers in Dr. Giovanni Cafario. We think the plan is a good one. A lot of people saying bad things. I'm probably, He keep putting out these things about the miracle drugs that Celgene has. I'm with Giovanni. How about Billy and Farbys, Billy.
2: Jim Kramer, how you doing?
1: Not bad, thank you for asking. How about you?
2: Good. Uh, I got to start by saying thanks for all your wisdom. I'm actually calling you right now from the Miami Open. I just got done watching Roger Federer play.
1: Can't beat that. Uh,
2: yeah, you're the Roger Federer socks, my friend. Wow. But, uh, my question: So I saw semiconductors jump last week. Uh, I had some FOMO, uh, and I've watched them slide the last. Yeah, I few know we all FOMO
1: about the semis.
2: I missed out on that. Uh, but so I'm. Um, I watched uh, XLNX, and I know you like Micron, but right. I'm wondering no, how you feel No, I about like
1: Xilinx much more than Micron because it's got tremendous. It's the best 5G play there is. All right, it was down a couple of bucks bye, today. Bye, 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 Buy Xilinx off for of 5G. Let's go to David in Pennsylvania, please. David. Hey, Kramer. How are you? Uh, doing well. How are you? Good. I call you crazy smart, Kramer, because you're so wise. Okay, I'll take that. No problem with that. <laughs> Listen. I want to know about WTI Offshore. What's your opinion? No, you don't want to know about it. That is a total... The house of pain. So, 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 uh, I'm so, not so, going to let so, you so, go so, to the so, oil, so. oil patch. I don't care that it's advancing. It's too dangerous. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Commentators love talking about the macro, the big picture stuff, then generalizing about individual stocks because it's easier than doing the homework. And the macro gives you these great sound bites. You can pontificate about tax cuts, the inverted yield curve. Everybody takes it seriously. You get a couple, two heads going at it. You know, one guy's pro, one guy's anti. Oh, too often the macro will mislead you. Sometimes the big picture stuff is irrelevant and it all comes down to a better bowl of pasta. Rather than focusing on these aggregate data points, I prefer following the largest companies and just listen to what they have to say. If they say business is good because taxes are taxable, we're okay, great. If they say it's something else, then it's something else. Take Darden, the parent company of Olive Garden and a bunch of other chains that require you know, they reported a great quarter last week. I was genuinely surprised when I read the conference call transcript because Darden cited their new chicken Alfredo dish with 50% more chicken. Not the tax cut. As the key driver behind their stellar 4.3% same store of sales growth, I like Darden, not just because I'm a huge Olive Garden fan myself. I love to go there with my vegetarian daughter. She's got a lot of things that she can eat. The truth is, Darden CEO Gene Lee has a terrific grasp of what's going on in the restaurant industry. And Lee says Darden's strength is all about innovative dishes, like that new augmented chicken Alfredo I mentioned. As for tax policy, listen to what he says. He goes, I'm not really worried about year-over-year changes based on whether there is a little bit more tax money with the consumer where they are feeling, when they're feeling strong. End quote. In other words, if you're looking at everything through the lens of Washington, which is what people do when they haven't done any homework, you're going to miss what's really happening in at least this industry, restaurant industry, along with a whole others. Look at all the chicken they put in the Alfredo. I mean, can you feel how heavy this is? Probably not, right? Okay, wait. I don't know. I, I, yeah. Anyway, Lee believes things uh, could get even better. He tells us that, quote, wages are growing across all different parts of the population, end quote, something that should produce better returns for 2019. But wait, won't that translate into higher labor costs for Darden? Shouldn't we be terrified about wage inflation? Nope. Darden, much like Chipotle, saw labor as a percentage of costs go down year over year. How's that possible? These companies keep finding new ways to, de- to reduce their demand for labor. Oh, there's digitization. Both chains also cited lower turnover. Remember, when you bring in new workers, you need to try to try them, train them, and it ends up costing a lot of money. If you can retain your best people, you end up generating more profits. That's always been the secret to Costco's success. And now Darden and Chipotle are equivalent from the same playbook. Why does this matter? Because every time I see the futures get knocked down by Japanese selling or European weakness or Chinese things, i got to remind myself that America has a robust economy that's nowhere near going into recession. Believe me, if we were really in trouble, you would hear about it from the likes of Darden or Chipotle, or not to mention Walmart, Costco, and Target. They said nothing of that sort. When you follow individual companies, you will have the confidence to buy their stocks into weakness when the whole market sells off, like we saw on Friday. Darden and Chipotle are doing great. Anytime they dip, It's a buying opportunity. Their management teams are creating value that won't be obliterated by endless political intrigue or Brexit or something else you might be worried about. So the next time the Bears freak you out by fretting about how the sky is falling because of the inverted yield curve, just remember Olive Garden's never-ending bowl of pasta. And remember, never forget to wear your cargo pants so you can stuff them with these fabulous rolls on the way out. Stick with Craig. Many details still to work out when it comes to Apple's pricing. I know that. But the fact is that Tim Cook identifies both from privacy and from your pocketbook with you, with the 99% of America that wants to save money. Hey, by the way, I think that credit card's really cool. Like I say, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise not for, just for you right here at Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer. And I'll see you tomorrow.
0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.